0: The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Saturday, 30th of May. The Fuji Cast. Welcome to the FujiCast. Every single time I do that, Kev. Welcome to... I feel like I want to go into the Frankie Goes to the Hollywood Welcome to the Pleasure Dome thing. Do you remember that song? Or are you too young? Vaguely. Vaguely. Ah, <laughs> oh, that reminds me of our DJing days, Kev. In my, my divorce, separated and singles club that I worked at in Waltham Abbey, just next door to the dog track. <laughs> okay. it was it was a proper dive it was yeah. that's where i met uh, oh god there's memories i met uh, somebody called uh, scarface that was um uh, that was was one of the bouncers there and um he gave me a, a cardboard box one day uh with a load of pictures and letters and stuff like that and i said uh, he said take home have a good read son I I took, it, I took it home. My mum and dad, went, they went white when they read who the letters were written by in a notorious prison cell in, uh, in London. Well, I'm not sure if I should say. I'll tell you off air because <laughs> people, are st- people still to this day are concerned by these people mm. even though they're not here anymore. Did you give them back? Was God, yeah. Crazy? My dad, my dad, literally drove me to Scarface's place and g- gave him the cardboard box back. I tell you what, there was history in that box. It was Roger and Rennie, weren't it? R- Rennie, Rennie, Roger and Rennie. <laughs> uh, I, 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 don't recall them as being uh, the East End's most notorious crew at all. but in mean, anyway. anyway, welcome to the uh, welcome to the Fuji Cast. We've got another couple of that da- Well, it's this and tomorrow, and then that's it for the daily um unless you believe there'll be a, a second bounce with this whole thing and then we'll be back on it again
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no everybody stay in don't make it come back
0: <laughs> yeah. it's in about what about two or three weeks time we, hello welcome back to the fuji daily Yes, used to be to weekly has gone quickly back to daily
1: <laughs> oh um, no i really hope that doesn't happen no. i hope it, i don't think it will I think people are sensible. Yeah.
0: For all sorts of reasons we don't want it to happen. We'd rather li- like to go back to work. Although you were a little bit concerned about the rules and and i rightly so confused about the rules of 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 how this track and trace will work, if it will.
1: Well, yeah, I mean who who knows who knows how long that'll be in place for, but yeah, I mean imagine imagine getting a call on a Friday afternoon because it's anonymous too, you see. So they don't have to tell you who who it was you were in contact with who's uh who's got it so it could be a friday afternoon prepping to go to a wedding and then you get the call from the nhs and say uh hello mr mullins you've been uh, you know we're notifying you that you've been in touch with somebody who's got the virus and you now have to stay in your house for 14 days
0: what, do, what happens then i know well can you imagine actually take that one step forward or backwards I, I don't know how that works but uh, what if you're the bride or the groom and oh, the I nhs know, exactly, called you yeah. the day before uh, excuse me uh, mrs smith i'm afraid you can't do your wedding tomorrow you've got to stay in yeah there's all kinds of implications isn't there plumbers uh, i think uh, earlier on plumbers and pilots and electricians and all, all those you know you you're working for an airline that's got very limited crew now you've got 200 people that are going to be sat be- behind you uh, in your dream liner and uh, you get the call i'm ever so sorry captain mullins no flying for you tomorrow or anybody yeah, else that wanted to go, to go to cyprus i disagree with you a
1: little bit there because i don't think you know a pilot in, f- in fairness i think there will be other pilots or they can just postpone a flight or delay it or something if you're a wedding photographer and you you mm. suddenly get told you can't go the next day that's far that's different
0: maybe I, maybe i chose a you're wrong right,
1: example. you yeah. also said things like uh you know a surgeon a specialist surgeon or something yeah, like that yeah. you know and you know they've got a, a heart transplant going on or something and that 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 little box is beaten. Uh, uh, they
0: need
1: it, to get that end on there So yeah, there are there are all kinds of uh, well tra-
0: tra- transplant surgeons um, of various um, different transplant uh, organ transplants. There, I mean, they're not ten a penny. It's not like no, could exactly. you do a cu- yeah. could you do a couple of tonsils this afternoon, Doctor Mullins? Oh, yeah, no, I'm, oh, no, I could. I,
1: yeah. I mean, there are there are lots of situations where it's it's uh, uh, you know going to be a be an issue for sure. Yeah.
0: So I am I am as confused as you, but I I am. Also thinking that it's n- not tenable for very long because it, it could it could be I, I don't know I just I don't I don't know how you can live your life thinking Am I going out tomorrow? At, at least this way I know what's going on.
1: Yeah, but they can't. Um, you know, they're not going to. They're not going to just say Yeah, actually, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. Know. You know, uh, it's too difficult uh, for people. So you know, go on, just do what you want.
0: I know, I know, I know, I know, and I know what I'm suggesting is is um, is sort of untenable in itself as well. Oh God. I, how how to unpick all this? God, who, who'd want to be a, a politician right now, Kev? <laughs> 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 Should we just go with some photo questions instead? Yeah, much much easier living. Um, Henry or living? Sorry, much easier pastime. Henry Henry Warren. Bit of a subjective one. How important is a website for a photographer? I've been toying with the idea of setting one up during this lockdown, but currently, as I'm only a hobbyist with aspira, you are never only anything, Henry. If you're a photographer, you're a photographer um with aspirations he says how beneficial would the expense and time be in setting one up
1: uh, um i would say that if it's not a something you need to make money from or you're not really doing anything for uh you know pr- promotional purposes i would just stick to instagram
0: would frankly. you ah oh, well, that was uh, precisely the opposite of what i thought you were going to say i yeah, thought you were going to say I don't see fun. The point if you know if it's not
1: for um, to advertise yourself in some way and it may well be that you want to show your pictures off with nice big pictures and everything and and, yeah, and that's yeah. fine, but uh, I'd still even then probably go to something like 500px or, you know, one of the one of the other um, galleries online galleries that don't don't kind of take the rights off you, yeah. of which there are some still just about but Instagram or something like that make, you know, for me, that makes more sense uh you know if you're obviously trying to sell something or you want to promote it or sell print or whatever then then a website is yeah i'd say it's still quite important
0: okay uh, adam brennan had another website one um and these are quite sort of light website questions not too technical first of all big thank you for the daily show and amazing work on the podcast that's very kind of you adam uh, i wanted to say in person before at the uh, the fujicast event at the house of photography ah adam those days seem so long ago do you remember that kev when when we were allowed to stand next to each other in a bar <laughs>
1: he feels like
0: decades and it does, decades it ago, does. It? it's weird isn't it uh, um, anyway i, pl- I, uh, I plan to attend but my long distance partner had flown over that week oh so you didn't come so we planned uh, time together six months after six months apart i think that was probably a good idea knowing mm-hmm. what actually then unfolded uh my question is as an amateur photographer looking to move into pro work on the the side when things clear up how do you gear your website best for engagement and to get noticed is a portfolio enough or do regularly updated blogs and events and podcasts and other features help a lot? I'll answer the podcast one in a moment, but what do you think about portfolios and updated blogs?
1: Well, your website is like the the, the, the telephone on your table, okay? It's all well and good having a telephone on your table, but if nobody knows your telephone number, nobody's going to ring it. Um, and to that end, you need to, you know, your, the most important thing about having any kind of online business is, is the marketing outside of the website, so the social media sharing, uh, yes, blogs and stuff will be good for Google juice, but uh, you know you need to be pointing people to the website in in different ways. So uh, you know that's that's the power of the viral reach, yeah. essentially. And that's why things like Instagram are so good, because you can you can really drive traffic um, to, to to your website where you can then show off a little bit, uh, you know, more creatively. But uh, ultimately, you can have the best website in the world. But if nobody is seeing it or sharing it or being directed to it, ain't going to make any
0: difference. Now, now, recently, we talked about blogs, and uh, you suggested that you felt blogs were not uh, as important as they used to be, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. Why? Well, why but, but you've still – still, I mean, I, I know that you're working a lot on your website at the moment. Does so that mean we won't see a Mullins blog?
1: No, no, no! Absolutely, I think blogs are still uh, still important to have because when people come to your website, they want to travel through all of the images and the the recent weddings and stuff. They just are not as important, I think, in terms of uh, the way that people consume content these days. So, lots more people are doing uh, curated content. So they're reading things like you know, I don't know, like um, uh, Reddit or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. You know, it doesn't really matter, but they're not all uh, consuming. Um, podcasts and yes, yeah, audio, all kinds of stuff like that you yeah. know they 're not people aren 't driven by the same laborious text and pictures and stuff as they as they used to be I, it's, you still need to have them, I believe that, but they 're not as powerful in terms of the marketing as they once were that 's my my personal opinion
0: now Adam did ask about podcasts and whether that that helps as well i 'm not quite sure, Adam, whether you mean you want to start running a podcast or whether you're going to because you can share other podcasts, of course. I'm not quite sure why you would want to do the latter. If it's the former, and you want a podcast, I do know quite a few photographers now that are setting them up that are not necessarily doing it because they think they're going to get large audiences, but they're doing it because they want to uh, they want to communicate with a voice to their their clients and and as the uh, the net is is becoming cleverer and cleverer and and now spider crawling uh, speech as well as everything else then there is an argument Kev isn't there to say as as speech becomes yet more and more relevant that it's a good thing to have
1: Mm, no, absolutely, and, and and I totally agree. And I've actually been thinking long and hard about different things on my website all mm. this time, as I'm going through the, the process of hurling my head at this brick wall constantly, <laughs> repeatedly every single day. And uh, yeah, I you know it's definitely definitely a thing to keep an eye on, definitely. But the thing is, you know, it's it's the problem with Google ultimately is that you know it it, it controls most things that yeah. people can see generally. Okay, and and that's not not an exclusive thing, but generally people people refer to Google and stuff, and Google can they don't they don't change the goalposts because they just want to piss us all off. They change the goalposts because things they try they try different experiments, and if Mm -hmm. it doesn't work they just drop it you know we all remember i mean there was 18 months or so where everybody scrabbled to get all of the authorship done on their websites and you know so we could all have our little faces next to our published content in google and stuff yeah. and then one day they just switched it off
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know and, and and we've all we you know we spent 18 months or so trying to deal with that um, and they they they're just as likely to do that with with anything else that if it doesn't make google enough money they will they will eventually just go mm,
0: no Although, having said that for, for my own interest with podcasting, etc., I think it's it's undeniably exciting that they're beginning to spend a lot more time behind their Google Podcasts app and stuff like that. You yeah. Could, you could absolutely. look at Sound... I think
1: that's one of, sorry, I think that's one of the things that is unlikely to, to be thrown onto the fire <laughs> of <higher laughs> I, field.
0: Think, I hope not for both of us, Kev. SoundCloud is one thing you could look at. Um, Adam, um, get yourself a SoundCloud account and then start to make some recordings, whatever you, you plan to do audio-wise and then you can embed them within your, your blog post, which might be fun. Um, Christian Miles, just a, a quick last one, then we're into the, the interview. Um, secondhand lenses. I have my eye on a 56mm, but I'm wondering what to look for when I receive it. Well, it might be too late. The horse might have bolted by the time you receive it. I'm, I'm assuming you mean that you're going to buy it through, um, um, you know, a, re- a reputable secondhand dealer or something. Well, do I, I've... I buy secondhand lenses quite happily um but as as for looking for stuff what what would you look for kev when when you receive it I suppose you look for dust within the chamber or but there's uh,
1: very- i I think dust is less of an issue but think certainly things like mold. That kind of stuff indicates that the ceiling on the, the glass is gone.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, little kind of bits of mold or certainly like large scratches and dust, dust less so because dust. typically you're gonna get that's not gonna show up, but it oh. might do if it's you know, if it's a big block. If there's dust on the inside, if there's anything on the inside of the element, anything at all then you know there's uh the ceiling is, is is weakened somewhere i you know i you said you'd buy secondhand lenses i i typically wouldn't i mean i would buy from a refurb store yeah. or i'd buy off a friend i wouldn't probably go to ebay and buy a secondhand lens i must say mm-hmm. um, personally that's me i would rather uh yeah i'd rather go to a refurb store or go to a yeah. you know go to a a, you know, a lot of the the camera stores you you know like cambrian cameras up in north wales they've got huge huge secondhand section yeah you can just go and look at it, and they, and they, and if it's a reputable store like you just mentioned, they'll have an online uh, secondhand section, and they will not sell stuff that's that's not good, you know, well, M- M- external damage, but not internal.
0: Well, MPP a good example of that, and I think yeah. that that's somebody I've bought secondhand through before in the UK, in, in, in any way, Wait, right, let's do it. all of them, yeah. So this week's interview, and it's another Mullin special. But Bert Stefani, what is it about Bert? Because um, he has a really good following. I know that you're a big fan of his work and, of course, he's in the Cargay Collective as well, isn't he? Well, what is what it about Bert Stefani's work that you, you particularly like?
1: Well, Bert was one of the first that I met uh, in the kind of Fujifilm ecosystem, if you like, and he he used to shoot weddings, so he doesn't shoot them anymore, certainly not many, and his, his candid work was beautiful. I really like that. But really, that's not what he's known for. It's his his models and uh, portraits and certainly his kind of on off-camera flash stuff. Uh, And it's amazing. He's a really, really, really good photographer. But actually, he's a really, really nice guy. He's huge. He's about 300 feet tall. And, uh, you know, he's got a heart of gold as well. I remember once we were in Tokyo many, many years ago. um, Well, not that many years ago, but several years ago. And um, (laughs) this is a really embarrassing story. I wish I hadn't started it now. But we... uh, (laughs) you You got to
0: go through with it now, I'm afraid We, we
1: got into this loo in a restaurant quite a, quite a posh restaurant we were in And it was one of those uh, Japanese restaurants Where you just kind of duck under a, a, a sheet That's hanging over at the doorway And you kind of go into the into the loo area right. And uh, he's about to go in the urinal and, and so am I, or so I think And uh, he, he whispers to me There's a guy, there's a gentleman behind us You know, in very Japanese ways Just kind of waiting very calmly Looking in the opposite direction but whispering to me, it's a sink. <laughs> and I, I, didn't, I didn't know what he was on about. I thought he was talking Dutch or something. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, and I just, so I just carried on and he went, you're in, in a sink.
0: Oh, Kev! I, I, as soon as he said sink, I thought, "Tell me, Malig, you're not doing what I think you're doing." And you I looked, looked down, I looked down, and I was. And it, it was at exactly the same level as the Rhino and it was
1: exactly the same shape, but it had a, it had taps, and it was it was a sink. And I,
0: and I was like, Oh my God Oh dear. They have they ever was that the last time you went to Japan? Have they now marked your card? We're not letting that that crass Welshman back in our country again.
1: <laughs> oh my god. But he saved me because I, I you know oh, it's a terrible conversation, but you know, you could kind of <laughs> you can kind of stop and start again and I was like, Oh my god. <laughs> okay. and then we went outside and they gave us it was the only thing the good thing about Bert was that he um being from Belgium he likes uh chips and waffles and mm. stuff like that so uh they gave us um raw sea urchin
0: raw uh, sea urchin
1: yeah which oh. I, I ate Everything I could eat in Japan, I ate. But oh. um, the raw sea urchin, yeah. I tried, and that was not good. Yeah. Uh, but I, I managed to deal with it in a, in a little bit more of an elegant
0: fashion. <laughs> but, what did he do? Dribble it all down his um, top or something?
1: <laughs> well, let's just say he spoke some Dutch, or Belgian, <laughs> or Flemish, whatever. Well, he speaks French, <laughs> German. He speaks 17 He languages. didn't
0: sound too happy, though, by the sound of it. Well, uh, he's a great guy, a really
1: good guy, yeah, a member of the Cargo Collective. Well, and, he, uh,
0: he's not He's not very good at eating a raw sea urchin, but... Um, <laughs> But he is a, a Danga photographer, as you're about to find out. Bert
1: Stefani, welcome to the Fuji Cast. How are you doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing pretty well, considering the weird times we are in. And I'm very honored to be finally on the uh, only podcast I really listen to. So it's great to be here. So,
1: in terms of the, the uh, you know, we have to ask these questions these days COVID, coronavirus, whatever you want to call it what's uh what's been happening in your world in uh, in belgium obviously it's a little bit different not too different geography wise from us but i think the the rules and regs have been a little bit different
2: yeah we started a bit earlier um luckily so i guess um so we've had this situation for two months and a half now something like that um and in the last two three weeks things are slowly starting to ease off um We are not allowed to visit friends or family yet. Um, They do this thing in bubbles here where you're uh, supposed to stay within your own family and things like that, which in practical ways, it's it's sometimes very hard to do. Definitely in our situation with co-parenting and everything, but we've figure it out Um, and now the shops are open it's still a bit weird because it's face masks and social distance and you cannot fit any clothes and things like that Um, and work is slowly starting to photography at least is uh, possible since last week i think uh depending on the situation
1: a lot of our listeners are wedding photographers what about weddings over there are they going ahead or
2: they are going ahead but you can only have 30 people so uh, i think most will be cancelled anyway until you know they can have the the big party um i think weddings like the official part will still happening uh but uh, there's probably not much wedding photography going on. But it's not something that I do very often, so I, I'm not like completely um, aware of the situation in that uh, sector of the business.
1: You'd kind of taken a little bit of a backward step, if that's the right words to use, from photography. Anyway, but you kind of thought, actually, I need to, I need to batten down the hatches and get some decent income in.
2: Yeah, well, actually, I signed my uh, contract um, some. I'm doing a full-time job in marketing now. I signed my contract on the first day of the lockout, of lockdown. So I was the last one in the building for a long time. Um, it's something that has been growing for a while. And so it's not only Corona-related. Um, it starts back like last year, beginning of last year. I had the opportunity to work for eight months and to, to do videos, basically. But um, as an um, employee... Um, and I figured I should take that because the business was not looking too well at the moment. I think, well, it's pretty much everywhere the same. Um, and then last year in October, I, that shop was finished. And so I tried to go back to uh, full-time photography. Um, but on one side, I felt I wasn't ready for it yet. Because I also took that as a, a kind of a sabbatical to think about. What is it that I'm going to do? The marketplace has changed. Uh, I have changed. My needs have changed. Um, so I've, I started to go back right away, but I felt like I was not ready uh, yet to, you know, start to, to take a complete new start, actually. So um, then I slowly started to look around again for a um, for temporary job. Um, and that's what I basically, I started doing in like half of March. Um, I took up a, a job in marketing. And it's just until the, the end of the year. So it's a temporary job too. I really don't want to uh, take up a long-term job in a way. I, I want to get back to photography at some point. Uh, but I'm in no rush basically because I feel like I have to figure out first What direction I want to go in? uh, Where can I fit into this industry? Um, So it's a lot of things. It it definitely an an economical part of of, uh, paying the bills, which um, for me became harder and harder every year. Um, And then uh, on the other side, I was also doing a lot of work that I didn't like doing. So what's the point in just uh, barely uh, getting by if you're not doing things that you like doing? When I just started photography, I was happy with anything I could do with the camera. But uh, I think over the years, it kind of changed, too. And I, I felt like I was doing everything and anything. Anything that came my way that was a paid job, I did it because I had to do it um, just to, to make ends meet and, and to feed my kids and everything. Uh, it was nothing like really dramatical, but, but it also was not a comfortable uh, situation. Um, so and there was no space at that point to um think about which direction I wanted to go I just had to do whatever that came my way and um so I, I really needed that uh, break a little bit I think and um now of course with um covid-19 I uh I had another reason to uh, uh look for some safety so it's basically a lot of things together but it's not just um uh, the virus thing that uh, that let me do this um, step. And is it a step backwards? I don't know. I think in a way it's a step forward. In the beginning it felt a bit like a step backwards. I thought about it long and hard and, and I waited a long time to do it because it felt like a step backwards. But once I did it, it feels like a step forward instead
1: you know what you've done is is brave and sensible, and it's it, you know it will it will allow you to to grow as a as a photographer, given the right opportunity and the right time when that comes back around.
2: Yeah, no, I think so. I think it's always uh, going to be in waves and everything, but I I've come to this uh, point in my career that I really want to rethink what I'm doing, and and also the business is forcing us because you have this um, I call it the hobbyification of uh, photography um and and that was first seen before we even started in in the um documentary um editorial market um, basically that's a hobby right now there's very little people who make a living out of that mm-hmm. um and i think you see the same in in a lot of um other parts of the business and it has to do with technology it has to do with the fact that images are uh, consumed at a rapid pace, so nobody takes the time to look at images at uh, right now, or at least not at the, s- the same kind of images that professional photographers used to make. Um, and it is quite impressive what technology can do these days. So I feel like there's um, there's still, um, there will always be a place for professional photographers, but it will be a different one than uh, when I started uh, 17, 18 years ago.
1: One of the things that I often say to people is that cameras have become so good but so cheap at the same time that yeah. this term you just mentioned hobbyfication yeah that that makes a lot of sense and uh, there is a lot of that but you're right you know there will always be a place for photography and good photography and uh hobbyists aren't necessarily a bad thing it just allows everything to flow in different directions
2: yeah and there's nothing you, you can try to fight um that but you can only maybe um delay it a little bit but it, it will happen if you see you know i i was Just a couple of months ago, I did an event, I shot an event, and uh, there was this uh, table of people, and and they asked me to take a picture of them. So I took a picture with my nice, uh, expensive camera, and then one of them said, can you also take a quick picture with my iPhone? And I took that picture, and that looked way better than anything that was on the screen of my expensive camera, because it's just all this automatic stuff. And if it's going to be consumed on a small uh, phone screen, you know... I, I would have spent uh, minutes, or five minutes on, on editing that image and, and that image on the phone was better right away so yeah. i'm sure i could still make a better one out of the the one that came out of my camera But i was absolutely um surprised at that because it was low light bad light mixed light but all that artificial uh, intelligence in, in the phones these days they solve that for you
1: it's it's good that people are being exposed to photography and we had martin parr on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he said that you have to look at bad photos to understand or to appreciate good photos so yeah know, maybe yeah. it's got a place i suppose in that respect one of the things that i remember you doing around about that time perhaps maybe a little bit earlier was the work in the refugee camps so what was the story behind that how did you how did you get involved and, and i suppose more importantly what was the what happened with the pictures we did you know does that do you think those pictures made a difference of any sorts or how did they how did they kind of get out into the open if they
2: well, did the um, the big frustration is that i just don't have enough time to do things like that because I feel like it's important. It's like um, I'm living like 150 kilometers away from that space. So that's not far. Um, and nobody knows about it. Um, it's never in the press. Um, so, so it's, it doesn't exist if it's not in the press. Um, and it was through some common uh, people we knew that, um, I found out about it and I was like, you know, can I do something? Can I, just go there and um, I didn't really go with a plan apart from the fact like I want to do some portraits of these people. I want to hear their stories. And um, so the first time I went there, I, um, I took an, an Instax printer with me um, and I gave them uh, portraits of themselves. And um, it was so amazing um, how grateful they were for these uh, little low quality prints uh, but they really, really, um, it opened up the doors to start conversations and everything with those people, um, and. I have no um, ambition to be like um, a social documentary photographer. Uh, but I feel like if you um, know a good story, if you know uh, how to take a picture, then you also have a certain obligation to use that. Uh, even though you can only do it a couple of days a year, then uh, a year, then, then you can still make some kind of difference. And um, it's not like my images made the press or anything, but I know that um, some of my friends saw them. Uh, mm. And they didn't know about it. And um, we are in this climate. Well, it started a couple of years ago, actually, that I I, I went uh, there and took some pictures. I think it was two or three years ago. Um, and, um, you know, the, the, the thing is that the difference is small that you make. But uh, after those first pictures, I had lots of people who brought me clothes and tents and sleeping bags they didn't use. And I went back and I took them. And, you know, that, that tent... It doesn't make a, it doesn't stop the refugee crisis, but it gives uh, a family a, a roof over their head for the night. Um, so even though the, the impact may be small, it can be still be big for uh, some of those people and also just the fact that you are there as a human being, not as a policeman or something like that and they can just talk to you. For them, it's important. For me, it's important to understand who they are, uh, understand that they are just, you know, they just had the bad luck to be born in another place, but otherwise they're pretty much like myself or anybody else that I know. Um, so it, it it was an eye-opener. I also took my son once. Um, and How I think old it's was he at
1: the time? How old was
2: I, he? I think he was 14 or 15 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made an impact on him, and not a bad one, because he played with the kids over there and everything, he played with the small uh, children, um, but he's also now someone that, you know, it's it's very easily said these days, um, people say the most uh, racist things um, without meaning them, I have friends that, and I really still call them friends, although if I look what they put on Facebook, they shouldn't be my friends, because they're, they're, they're just, you know, it's it's fear and racism comes out of fear most of the time. And it's all the fault of the refugees and things like that. Uh, but I know they're not like that. Uh, but those pictures, and I'm publishing these pictures on my, my uh, website and, and social media. Um, it got my friends to talk to me about it. And I've, I've been there. i talked to those people so I can tell their story to my friends. And hopefully some of these friends will... Uh, think twice the next time they they want to blame refugees for everything that goes wrong in the world. So um, I, I'm not going to solve the refugee problem with any of those pictures. But if some people see them, start seeing them as people, then even if it's just one person, then then it's uh it's a it's a success in my opinion. And things have changed because uh, I've been there last summer twice um and now they're they're afraid of, of uh, images uh, because there's um they have bad experiences with images uh police that takes images and then they get um, deported or something based on pictures so it's a lot harder to to work there um, as a photographer or video maker uh but still they allow it to do you to do it if you if they see that you mean it because the last time we were there i um actually took a, a guy to the hospital that fell off um one of the he, he tried to jump on a truck to go on on to, to the uk um and fell off and you know there's nobody there is going to help them they cannot get to the hospital themselves and mm. so we we took them to the hospital and and spent a day in the hospital um but you just know that um the hospital staff is going to treat them a lot better if you are with them as a witness um and i had tea with these people and they invite you and share the, the little bit of food they have um uh, it's it's amazing that they still allow interaction actually after all they've, they've been through but it's um it, it's very sobering to hear their stories.
1: And a good thing about people like you is that you, you know, you have this kind of understanding of the the fact that photography is your income, generally your income, but also the you know the workshops and all that kind of stuff is also part of the income. But there's a there's a social element that comes with it. And I remember, I'm fairly sure it was last year, but it may have been the year before, where you started the the fifty with fifty um, idea. Yeah. And that was uh, fifty pictures in fifty days with just the fifty mil lens, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I never got involved in it because that was just to me it was just terrifying. But I know lots of people that did and and I still occasionally stumble across blog posts and pictures on Facebook where it's hashtag fifty with fifty and or hashtag Bert Stefani or, or whatever. So so that's incredible. It's uh, how did that how did that take off and did you get any feedback from it?
2: Well, I, I, I first did it um ten years ago um, over ten years ago Um, and that was at that point it was more a technical exercise and forcing myself to use uh, that one lens Um, and I found that very interesting and I still made some of my favorite family pictures and, and from my kids uh, during that first time, and last year, I think it was the first of September. Um, I just a little bit a couple of weeks before somewhere in August i um, I was reminded to the fact that was that it was almost ten years ago that I did that for the first time and I was like I'm gonna try to do it again. Um, And the 50 or 35 in in, um, APS-C and Fuji speak Um, has always been my favorite focal length since that first 50-50 project 10 years ago. And I figured, like, let's do it again, because it it was also a time where I I really wanted to um, go back to basics and and see who I am and what I want to do as a photographer. And this time it was... um, Way less technical because I was very very comfortable with just using that one lens um, although I I also shot a bit with the, the GFX and the 50 r with the, the 50 millimeter lens and, and I think even some with the X 100 something like that um, but I'm very comfortable shooting with just that one standard lens and this time it was more about um, it was more about storytelling. Um, and also, I, I just started... Um, I posted on my Instagram one picture a day. Um, and I uh, hashtagged it 5050project10 because it was a 10-year anniversary. Um, and a lot of people joined me or joined later, and there's still people joining. And it's really nice to see um, how other people are doing it. But to me, it was a bit... By sharing it, it was also a bit my... Um, uh, I feel like a lot of people, um, when they get stuck, they buy new gear. And I feel like um, well, you can do so much with just that single lens, um, if you are willing to explore it and push yourself through the wall. Because at a certain point, you have done it all, or you feel like you have done it all. And if you have, if you push through, then um, then you will learn new things. I I believe, and that was. For me, it, it happened in the first time I did that fifty-fifty project, and it happened in the uh, the second um, installment of it, but uh, in a different way. Um, and so, I think it's a very good exercise for people who want to take their photography seriously to to just try it out. And, and uh, sometimes it's frustrating, but it's also a lot of fun. Uh, and right now, I'm still like I don't have enough distance from it yet. Uh, but I'm already—I printed just on on the simple home printer uh, a lot of small uh, prints of the my favorite images, and I'm trying to lay them out and turn them into some kind of um, zine. I just figured out that you don't like the word scene, but I, uh, word zine. I can understand. Well, it's just like a, a little book or something. I heard that in the in one of the previous podcasts, I believe. Um, but um, yeah, I, I want to do something with it because I also kept a diary for those 50 days, um, and and so I want to see if I can find. I don't want to do a chronological uh, thing, but I want to see if I can find some common themes and and uh, combine some of my writings with uh, with the pictures. But it's um, uh, it takes time.
1: And of course, you and I are both members of the Target Collective, and and Neil also has been invited. Uh, and I think I feel when I look at things that I do for the Cargo Collective, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but I feel like the pictures, or the projects, or the stories that I push, I put there are are maybe a touch more personal than the stuff I put elsewhere. And and I think, and I don't, I'm not sure really why, but I think that's because it's you know you have a target. It's Patrick says, right, Kev, you've got to do your story on the 24th of May. And that gives me something to aim for. And I suppose that's the same with the 50. When you, when you encapsulate something in a um, w- within a timeline, you you know it's going to end. You know it's going to be done. Yeah. You know it's going to end. Rather than I'm going to take a picture every day of the week or every week of the year for the next five years or something. You know that's that's too too fluffy.
2: But I think if you do a first a personal project, which is something that I advise every photographer to do. Um, start with something that that is not too big. Start with a one week project. Uh, and a lot of the, the stories we do on on, on the collective are uh, one day projects or two hour projects whatever. Uh, but you can do that too. And um, I think two years ago three years ago uh, I, um, Patrick and I did a, a, a Kage workshop in, uh, in Belgium, in Brussels. And we we basically made it like a temporary collective and had them shoot a story in a day. Um, and you can do that, too. Just look at whatever uh, topic we are doing on our collective and try to do that, too. In, in give yourself one or two weeks to do it. And the thing is not to aim for perfection. Like, sometimes you get a good story. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But that's not a problem. It's part of learning. So just try it and finish that project. and. Whatever comes out of it comes out of it, but if it doesn't work out, then it's fine. For every successful personal project, there's probably millions that didn't work out. So,
1: okay, a couple of quick fire questions before we end. Yep. Okay, quick answers best commission you've ever done?
2: Um, doing the wild project for Fujifilm a couple of years ago, shooting with the GF 250 lens, uh, and I shot uh. People who are connected to nature, hunters, fishers, um, sheep herder, whatever. I really enjoyed that project a lot. Although the lens is actually pretty long for my kind of use.
1: Yeah, I remember those pictures. They were ace. Um, okay, what's missing in your life right now? It doesn't have to be tech. It could be anything.
2: Um, the ability to go out and travel and see uh, people, hug people.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, photographic hero. Two of them.
2: Mm, Kevin Mullins, and Neil James.
1: <laughs> Kevin
2: and Neil. I, I don't, I don't have any uh, real photographic heroes. I like a lot of photographers' pictures, but I try to like pictures instead of photographers.
1: Good answer. Um, I remember on a on a little side note from that when I first met you back in I don't know 2011, 2012, I just got off an aeroplane uh, from I shot a wedding in Italy. They, I threw myself on an aeroplane to Tokyo. And uh, I, the f- literally the first thing I had to do was walk on stage in front of you, David Hobby, and Zach Arias. all sat there. And it was the most terrifying experience of my entire life.
2: Um, I, I, re- I remember thinking, <laughs> oh, George Michael just uh, got on the stage. George
1: Michael. What would you say to a 17-year-old Bert? There's a lot of 17-year-old Berts out there at the moment. They want to get into photography. They want to build a business. What's your advice? What would you have uh, told yourself at 17?
2: Um, at 17 um, you know just enjoy life take a camera wherever you go Um, start to do a project do a book something like that Um, it's very hard for me to say because I have a 17 year old son but I would probably advise not to go to school for photography uh, or anything but just start something just finish high school and and just do something make stuff Uh, doesn't matter if it's good or it's bad you're gonna learn try to follow along, help out other uh, photographers that you admire, try to call them up and see do they need an assistant to carry their bags, whatever. Uh, I think it's just... uh, do it a lot and, and do it, do the things that you like doing and try to discover the things that you like doing. And I think at 17, it's also important to discover who you are as a person uh, because that will have an impact on who you will be as a photographer. Thanks,
0: Kev. And thanks, of course, to Bert Stefani, uh, you two chatting in conversation, chatting together, uh, the Mullins and the Stefani. Um, and I'll never be able to think about you and a J- Japanese loo in quite the same way ever again. Not that I did anyway, Kev. It wasn't something I... I think oh. I thought an awful lot about. Oh. <laughs> um, right, back, back tomorrow uh, for the final daily, um, and then it's back to Mondays from, from the 8th. We have a little plan up our sleeve say no more do we (laughs) yes Kev. (laughs) see you you tomorrow the fuji cast is an independent loading zone production
1: goodbye sweetheart well
0: it's time to go we're back tomorrow with another show well unless we're fired we'll talk to you then Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye.